Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Floor is rising. I am Sabertooth, and with me is Kizu. I'm a professional NFT collector, and Kizu is a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting, and analyzing NFTs. So if you are a creator or collector of NFTs, or you want to be, jump in. The water's warm. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. Special guest with us today is Ruben Frasali, otherwise known as Ruben Fur on yeah. Twitter. Ruben is a visual effects artist and director specializing in volumetric capture, point clouds, large particle-based dynamic environments. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Ruben, tell us, how did you get into NFTs? I had my first experience, honestly, working on NFT in March. At the time, I was working on a music video for Pussy Riot, the Panic Attack music video. And uh, we released also an NFT collectible debate you know the music video divided in four parts released on foundation and so that was basically my first experience there so a, a bit of a full disclosure here i lived in tokyo for for many years as well so i think that's oh. something that we have in common <laughs> what brought you to japan it's more than 15 years now that i'm living here so i'm actually italian i came here more than 15 years ago to work basically as a uh, you know, in a software development company. So, and that's what I've been doing actually until two years ago. Are you familiar with Rhizomatics? The yeah, Japanese yeah, yeah. Company? Rhizomatics as well. Yes. Daito yeah. Manabe. And uh, yes, there is a lot of experimentation. And I'm, you know, I'm really, really fascinated into this kind of interactive installations. And that's even basically where I started. So I used to do apps before. And then in, it was two years ago that with two friends, we decided to try to do, okay, let's try to do an installation. We work on this art installation and I was doing the programming for the in Unity, how to move things. And uh, a lot of inspiration came, came from, you know, Daito Manabe and the Rhizomatics and all these uh, different things. And this installation we did, it was a small installation, but, uh, it, you know, it grew. And we had experience later in the event, even in uh, Taiwan and New Zealand. And mostly come from that, from interactive art. And then from, you know, seeing people interact with the things that you build. And I, I, it's something that I really wanted to do. But then, you know, pandemic arrived and everything was stopped. And that's why last year, basically, I started doing more uh, video art. That, that's what I'm doing now. But I'm planning to go back, you know, to, to creating installation as well, because it's something that I found really interesting. Can you talk about the process and the tools that you use? Yeah, it all started like from these two install, three installations where we did two years ago. And from that point, I started, you know, using Unity. I, I was already using Unity before, but not on, in a sense of 3D art, more as a gaming and these kind of things. So I started looking into point cloud because they were an interesting medium. And I found the idea of capturing places with, you know, 3D points uh, really fascinating. So from that, I started learning Unity more about, you know, 3D. I already had experience in shaders, you know, how to move things on the screen and uh, how to code, you know, how things move on the screen. So I started, you know, going deep on that and uh, building 
what is now my framework, basically. Everything uh, that I do, all my particle effects and everything is moved by these uh, shaders and uh, utility that I built in Unity. So point clouds, I, from my work, uh, you know, when I scan places and to create my artwork, I use photogrammetry. Usually photogrammetry is just taking a bunch of photos of, you know, one place and then having this photo uh, processed by computer, by software to create the 3D um, model. In my case, I was doing before uh, 360 um, photography. So I said, okay, let's try to mix these two, these two things. So I, I started recording places with a 360 cameras and that allowed me basically to capture a way bigger area. Instead of capturing a small area, I was capturing all around me and moving into the streets of Tokyo and then you know in uh, Hanoi and uh, Vietnam and everywhere and recording the streets. From that, I was... I built some tools to you know, process all those footage that I was taking and converting that into picture that I was then feeding that into the software to create a photogrammetry. And uh, when I had the software, uh, you know, the 3D model coming out, I was using my framework and my shaders to create these interactive, because you know, now they're videos, but they are all running in real time. So it all come from this first two interactive installation that I did. So it's everything running basically from that point to now. You've only been in the in a full-time art capacity for, for a short while. When you left your software engineering to sort of be a, a sort of a visual effects studio and sort of take on client work for sort of various clients. And then this NFT thing has kind of shifted this career or how, how do you view, I guess, the progression yeah. of your sort of artistic career? I think it all started last year, basically. Last year in January, I went in uh, Vietnam and I started recording. I was just, you know, in, you know, having like an holiday there. And I started recording places with my 360 cameras. And um, I came back in Tokyo with a lot of footage from there. And I uh, started processing this video and, uh, you know, uh, running this point cloud that I, I, I had captured into Unity and uh, had some really cool effects, a cool video about um, these places that I captured there and they were frozen in time. And with this kind, the, the 360 camera that I was using, I managed to capture people in their daily life. So I was really fascinated by that. And I released, I think the first or uh, anyway, one video on Twitter and uh, it kind of blew up a bit. I mean, it helped me a lot to get some exposure there. And that's when I realized, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not really enjoying doing apps anymore. I want to do what I, you know, I want to do video art. I want to do music video. I always love music videos, but I never had the chance to work on that. And uh, so I took the jump last year and I said, okay, let's stop the work and just focus on that. And I was lucky enough to get, you know, people interested and uh, contacted. And first it was for uh, Acronym and ASUS. And we did up really cool things there with the short films. And uh, and this year, finally, you know, slowly working on that. And this year, I started uh, my visual effects company. But it's really more about you know doing what I like, being free to create what I like, and uh, not actually you know trying to find clients 
and accepting everything. I really enjoy working with the client, the people that I'm working on now, and I have worked before, even you know, Death Pact and um, uh, even Pussy Riot and other people there, because I really enjoy connecting with those artists. So I really enjoy you know exchanging ideas and trying. It's more about that than you know working as a visual effects artist. So I really enjoy that. Have you ever encountered any stereotypes in terms of clients or artists regarding you know Ruben as based in Tokyo and and somehow do they expect something that's somewhat Japanese or at least some. Uh, somewhat inspired by say, the urban environment in Tokyo? I don't know. To be honest, not, not much because uh, the majority of footage that I have used uh, recently and uh, in my videos, they're mostly from Vietnam, actually. So I really enjoy those from Vietnam. I think I do use sometimes scans from that I do here in Tokyo as well. But, uh, you know, I live here, 15 years I've been living here. I don't find the same, you know, engagement, and uh, I'm not mm, so attracted to the scans that I do that I do here in Tokyo. I'm more attracted to the place that I did uh, the, the scans that I did in Vietnam. So I don't think in my videos I had many requests to be more, you know, stereotypical, stereotypical Japanese. It's mostly like I've been very lucky to have, you know, all the freedom to explore and to try things and uh, to use scans from uh, basically everywhere. Honestly, many, many clients that I had, they didn't even know I was in Tokyo before. And uh, I don't think I have any, yeah, I don't think I had, I almost had one, one Japanese client. I had one, just one, but for a YouTube thing, but uh, even in Japan, I don't have many connections at all, to be honest. It's mostly like everything is coming from, you know, the U.S. Los Angeles is always there, basically. You were one of the like earliest hen artists. I think your first work on hen was in the four-digit object ID range. So that's like super early. Definitely one of the most successful artists on hen. Um, and I think from a price range, I mean, at least from my point of view, you, you could have easily, you know, sold on Ethereum. Uh, I think mm -hmm. you are on Super and Foundation, but you definitely don't have a lot of works on anything outside of Hen. Was that a, a conscious decision by yourself to kind of remain on, on sort of the Tezos ecosystem? Oh, yes, yes. You know, at first I started in um, releasing my first NFT in uh, uh, through Iketnunk. I think at the time I was introduced by Le Mercier. So he, he was really into the, and I was really into the idea, you know, of the ecological aspect of NFTs and um, how, you know, Ethereum and uh, all these kind of discussions. And um, I think in a way I was under the impression that, you know, yes, of course, there is some, you know, proof of stake, proof of work, difference in the you know in the aspect of uh, the echo impact but at the same time now i realize it's not exactly as black and white and but at the time I, I started because of that honestly and uh, i stayed on the platform because i found a great community and uh, i wasn't really into the ethereum space at the time so uh, and um yeah it was basically all about the community i guess was there something about the Ethereum NFT scene that kind of turned you off or? 
there was a lot of respect on the, on the Ethereum platform I find, that I found a bit not aggressive, but I guess too much about how much you, you're selling pieces or, you know, every people dropping like, oh, I sold this for uh, Basilion Ethereum's. And, uh, and, you know, it was great to see artists uh, doing that. But uh, at the same time, I felt there was, I don't know, not how to say, it, it was too about that than the art itself, I guess. In the, on Ikit Nunc, it was mostly about sharing art with people and uh, just enjoying the work of each other. And uh, less about, you know, bragging about sales. That I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but uh, at the time was something that I really enjoyed. And uh, I felt like it was a great way to start without... How do you feel now? I feel like... Holding? Yeah, as I said, you know, uh, before I had this idea of Ethereum space as a more, you know, about bragging about sale, but I think it's kind of different now. And I see a lot of more uh, diverse art and uh, people from all sorts of background dropping pieces and uh, a lot of good things being done. So I feel that there isn't this much anymore. Now, the only issue, you know, another thing that I really enjoy about, about Tezos was the idea of. Beside, you know, the echo aspect, it was mostly about even the, um, you know, the gas fee that was basically zero. So that I saw that as a revolution because it was allowing, especially Ekinunk, who was very famous in uh, in Brazil and uh, other, you know, developing countries. And uh, this kind of model where you have like this low gas fee uh, plus, you know, pieces that they were not expensive. They were affordable for a lot of people. And the edition, not too large, but not too, you know, one-one or something like that. I think it was kind of revolutionary in a way that it was empowering for artists of basically everywhere they are. While in Ethereum, it was most like, you know, you have to have certain, you know, at least the money to to fee pieces and sometimes they are crazy high so i really enjoy the idea about that in tezos and uh, now i don't know there is object object that uh he's kind of replacing Nunc, and i i feel they, they're doing great i'm probably staying on uh, tezos platforms for uh, my drops but at the same time i i'm staying you know i'm exploring ethereum platform as well i did drops on foundation and uh, recently on super rare and uh, i have other things planned on super rare probably at the end of this month or uh, you know something like that so i keep working on uh, tezos but at the same time i really want to explore super rare because i don't know i feel it's a good space the only problem that i see with this ethereum platform like foundation and super rare is that the minting is like, you know, the max file size that you can mint is only five, 50 megabytes yet. Still, so uh, Iket Nunc was kind of revolutionary in a way to have like 100 megabytes. Yeah, same things as OpenSea, but so I really wish they they would up those limits on one day. I don't know. In a sense that, you know, it's, it's biased towards um, more compact work. It's a flat piece of work, it's a JPEG or whatever, but artists that work with motion capture, with uh, photogrammetry as, as, as you do, do you feel like 
you have so far been somewhat marginalized in what we call the NFT art scene because a lot of the platforms, as you know, they you know they they obviously have a premium on PFPs or avatars, and mm-hmm. these are just portraits, right? And so obviously, by definition, the file sizes are smaller. It, it is true in a way. Uh, in another way, you know, some of my earliest video that I did uh, using photogrammetry, uh, and they were pre pre NFT. I usually uh, always use the same format. I have a square video format. Videos last around one minute, but at the same time, when you have like points flying around, uh, you know, millions of points flying around, and you need like precisely to show those. And uh, that's actually really, really terrible with video compression. So it, it is really challenging. Now, NFT, I'm, I feel uh, we are at the beginning of this NFT uh, world. And uh, it's still early to say, you know, what are NFT? What, who is an NFT artist? What is being an NFT artist? You know, I don't really like much the term of NFT artist because I find it reductive in a way and um, I think it's just because the space has to evolve and to see you know in, improve technologically so you have maybe files you know largest file size we are actually seeing this for example for you know minting 3d pieces that you can interact with and uh, you know creative coding and uh, being able to see this as well in real time so there is a lot of parts that are coming to the NFT world and uh, there are trends as well. So right now it's all about generative art and um, because it's new, it's a new trend on that and, it, and it's a piece of NFT world that is beheaded to this world. So I feel like the more we grow on this space, the more pieces we are going to, to have and the larger the art will be. So right now, Yes, it is hard to drop pieces like I would like to do. I, you know, I honestly love working in a music video, and uh, we had some things with with artists, but uh, we are limiting ourselves because we can't do uh, what we would like to do. So, and at the same time, I did um, a video for an event in uh, New York City uh, last month, and it was a uh, 11, 12, almost 12 minutes video. And uh, I was really, in a, you know, it was really difficult to, to meet that. So at the end, what I did was creating chapters. I cut um, like into five chapters and I meet that in uh, on uh, OpenSea. And I was lucky enough that collectors, you know, one collector that sold this entire project and collect them all. But, but yeah, I would have preferred to collect, you know, to meet all the entire video. So... Mostly I'm seeing the space as something that's evolving. So even if now maybe, um, you know, some projects are uh, getting more attention than others and there are trends that are, you know, giving the spotlights on this new feature, new project, I think we are going to reach that point where it's just, you know, NFTR can have so many different things and, uh, you know, you have artists and collectors focusing on so many different things. I, I saw even and there are, you know, directors releasing films, small parts of films on the, even Super Rare. So I'm hopeful to see the space grow. And, uh, and I, I think it's going to be, in the long run, important. And uh, even if now 
maybe some project and some kind of art is more uh, easier to access and to to be yeah to be presented on as nft i think it's growing and uh, it will grow but uh, but we need time definitely yeah you have a major advantage i think a lot of artists who who are not sort of developing a tool set which only really a software developer can do you know they might use procreate or or, or whatever photoshop but with sort of off the shelf components if what they do takes off, there is like a thousand copycats <laughs> like the next yeah. week. Um, whereas with, with your art, e- even though it's been like extremely successful, uh, just because of your, the custom tooling that you've developed yourself, I'm not aware of anyone that's really trying to like copy your look, probably because it's, it's very high effort to do so. Um, so that's like a huge advantage for yourself and just other um, artists who, who have their yeah. own sort of custom tool sets. Oh, that is true. But at the same time, you know, what I do, um, I'm not the only one doing this kind of art. There are other artists doing these kind of things. But I think mostly uh, when I have, I have so many, you know, people asking me, oh, please give me a tutorial or write something. Yeah, I mean, I would have to explain like two years of developing is is a bit hard. But uh, often, you know, people just talk about that, about, you know, how do you show point clouds on a screen? And uh, you say, okay, I show these points, I'm, I'm done, I finished. It, it isn't about that. It's, it's, there is so much more, you know. It's not about the technical aspect as well. It's about, you know, how to, you move the camera and, uh, you know, how you move those points and on the screen. It has to be in a certain way that it feels natural, but at the same time, even the camera has to smoothly move, basically like um, when you're doing a movie or something like this. And uh, at the same time, I also do even all the sound effects and uh, the soundscaping in my pieces, I compose music on that as well. It's, I could honestly take my, you know, my framework and build something that I can, you know, replicate, uh, create, I don't know, 10,000 different kind of pieces with that. But uh, it's not something that I'm particularly interested into. I just really enjoy doing that and learning and uh, you know creating my the tools that I use and I find it as idea you know I think when you have the you and you build your tools or you or at least you know you try to give your uh, your touch to some of your work instead of trying to copy some uh, you know some kind of aesthetic and maybe sometimes it cannot be as big uh, or it has has uh, the same impact of other 3D works or uh, any you know other kind of things that you can do with professional uh, software, but you find your voice in this way, and I think it's quite important in a way. Even when I started doing this kind of works uh, last year, I had a lot of people telling me, "Oh, you know, but this is yeah, it's cool, but you can't do any commercial work with this because it's too rough." You know the point clouds are like they they miss they're missing holes and uh, in the middle or anyway it doesn't it's not like a perfect 3D model, but if you keep doing that and you keep uh, you know building on that and you use those uh, disadvantage I mean the, the, those defects that you have these kind of things that are missing and you use it at your advantage, I think there is a there is something to uh, you know to use for yourself. And uh, sometimes when I see in the NFT space, all these trends that are coming and going, I feel it's good because in, in a way, I mean, uh, it's good to see, for example, a lot of people, even young, like 15 years old or even less, 
starting to learn Blender, to learn to do 3D or uh, you know creative coding. But at the same time, I'm worried that people are just going after the trend, after the yeah what's popular right now, and to try to find that perfect look and that kind of perfect um, Blender things or copying things and uh, trying to change a few things just because those are what's popular right now and uh, basically becoming like the nft artist but missing the the thing that you you know working on yourself and trying to find uh, what's unique about your work so that's kind of worrying about trends honestly ruben it's been a pleasure to have you on the show before we let you go final question who is your favorite artist <laughs> my favorite artist i think is Gotta be honest, it's probably going to be Ruben Hu, not because the name is similar to mine, but um, I'm really fascinated by the by his work and um, and had the chance to know him and uh, knowing how he works and uh, the passion he puts into his work and uh, it's something that really inspires me. You know, just not trying to do the next thing and then the next thing, but just you know working hard especially on a, on a piece and uh, putting yourself there so yeah it's something that really inspires me besides the art even uh, how it works awesome ruben thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Floyd's rising thanks to you for having me yeah it was a pleasure thank you for joining me for this episode of Floyd's rising If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us, send us a question, and just send us a DM on Twitter at Floor is Rising.